the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know this is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Here's your host, Bob Bender. Well, good afternoon, Colorado Springs, and welcome to Crosswalk. This program's going to enrich your life and equip you and bless you. For our topic is going to be one that's going to be unique and transformational as we apply the Word of God to our lives. Thank you for being a part of us. We're headed toward Christmas. Monday is Christmas. Sunday is Christmas Eve. And we call the day before Christmas Eve Christmas Adam. So you got this whole weekend headed at you. Okay, Matt, I've got a question for you. i got my producer on the horn here. I've got a question for you, Matt. What? Why, why do you think today is my favorite day of the year? It does it have anything to do with being almost Christmas? We're no, getting ready, making no. plans? Close, close, close. Hmm. No. Why is that? It has to do with a pagan festival, the winter solstice. A bunch of pagans, I think, celebrated it. I don't know if it was last night or the night before. So the winter solstice is behind us. The reason why today is my favorite day of the year is because from here on out to June 21, the days get longer. Okay. I'm seeing that. Yeah, there I we go. I love today, man. I can already tell. It's, it's it, Days getting longer, maybe just, by two seconds. Just two seconds, yeah. You're, you're keeping count, right? I am, I am. <laughs> so sooner or later, we'll have more light and more daytime. So that's why this is my favorite day of the year. that makes sense? I, you know, I like that. I'll actually agree with that. And, uh, and I think it's great having a little bit more daylight. Yeah, well, I like the wintertime, too, but... Yeah, yeah. It's what is it here? Just a couple minutes after five, and it's already dark. I know it yet, but we'll have more light. So you, hey, you can, you can. This can be your favorite day as well. Uh, this will uh, be can, my new favorite hey, day you now. Can steal yeah. it from me, buddy. <laughs> thank you, Matt West, and thank you for joining us, team, here at Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Praying through Second Peter and Second Peter three. Eight and nine, do not forget this one thing, dear friends, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Listen, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. One of my bosses, Bruce Brinesmo, went on a trip, it was last January, went on a trip and left without his wife's prescriptions. So they're in New York City, and they have they call back here in Colorado Springs, and they have some friends get this prescription together, put them in a box, and mail them to their hotel they were going to be at in a couple of days in South Africa. So they went down to the post office, paid $40.38 to get this package of prescriptions to the Brinesmas, who were going to arrive about three days later in South Africa. Well, they never got it. Well, luckily, they, they had someone to take care of the scripts in South Africa. But guess what? The package arrived last week at his house, undeliverable. 
That's that's a long time for a package to be in the mail and come back to you undeliverable. Almost a year. Well, you know, sometimes we feel that way about life and about the Lord. But listen, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. So hang in there. Every prayer will be answered in one of three ways. Yes, later, or different. So, Lord, we trust you, and thanks that you're always on your time schedule, even though you seem late to us. And so just give us the patience and persistence we need to wait on you, our good and gracious God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know what kind of memories you have of Christmas. Think about it. What are some of your favorite Christmas memories through the years? Our family's making Christmas memories right now as Beverly is with the grandchildren at the house as they're baking cookies and icing cookies. I've got several pictures already sent to me. Making memories. Well, think about the past, the memories of Christmas. One of my favorites was in Germany. We were stationed to Wielflicken, Germany, the wild place. It's... it's uh, where Elvis had his first assignment. Perhaps you remember that iconic image of Elvis playing guitar on his bunk. Well, Dad uh, came home one day and he said, Son, do you want to meet Elvis Presley? And I said, Well, sure. So we went down, and he had just arrived in his people mover and, and went up to his bunk, and, and I had the privilege of carrying his duffel bag up to the bunk. I'm telling you, for a 10-year-old boy, that was really heavy. Uh, but 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 that's not my point. My point is that in our home, we at Christmas time in Germany would always have three or four or five or half dozen soldiers, many of them teenagers still, young twenties, away from home for the first time, and we would have them in our home. I remember this vividly. And uh, we were so poor, we decorated the tree with cranberries and and popcorn alternatively and, th- and threw some tinsel on the tree, and that, that's about all we did as far as that went. But those young men, what a joy it was for them to have Christmas in a home. Well, whatever the occasion that brings you and your family together this Christmas, I hope it will be a blessed one for you and yours. And I want to share some information and inspiration that hopefully will be transformational, making this Christmas a most meaningful one as we focus on, obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ. What do Project Manager Matt West, Executive Executive Assistant Brooke Leeling, Pastor Eric Cartier, Dr. Bob Bender, and Senior Vice President Chris Gould have in common? Yes, we're all employees down here at Salem Media, but the thing that we all have in common is we each have a first name, a last name, and a title or role. First name, last name, title, or role. Uh, Teacher Betsy Smith or contract worker Bill Jones, on and on we could go. In much the same way, there are three primary names of God's Son— Lord Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ the Lord. He has a first name, if you will, that speaks to his humanity, Jesus. He has a last name that speaks to his uh, uh, divinity, 
the anointed one is divinity, Christ, and he has a title that speaks to his role, Lord. These three names only appear in one verse about a dozen times in the New Testament altogether. But one of the earlier ones is Luke 2, 11. For today in the city of David there's been born for you a Savior, meaning Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. Savior, Jesus, Christ the Lord. All three names are precious to us. All three of them are equal in weight and application. And as we consider these names, let me ask you this. What is the meaning of Christmas? How would you answer this question? What is the meaning of Christmas? Is it not worshiping Jesus, simply worshiping Jesus? He is worthy of worship. I remember the time that Beverly and I were in the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, and as we made our way to that site where traditionally, and I don't know to what degree of authority and historicity it is, but the place where Jesus was born, it's a, it's a cave, and and really, the the stable was was cave like out back of where they wanted to get a room in the inn. And as we knelt there, I remember Beverly saying, "My wife, she's saying, wow, this is where it all started." Yes, it did. It all started right there and continued to make an impact concentric circles of ripple circles, as it were, throughout human history. And so we're going to look at the Lord Jesus Christ, because if we don't get Jesus right, everything else comes crumbling down. So we're going to take a brief journey through three of the most important names in human history. See you in a moment. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back, Colorado Springs, to Crosswalk. What's in a name, anyway? That's what we're talking about tonight. What's in a name? Today, we name our children, our grandchildren, a name that we have heard of or that we like or in honor of someone. I was named after my dad's best friend, Robert. My dad's name was Frederick Augustus Bender. You don't get much more German than that. And my name means winner of all, so I strive to be a winner in life. My sister's name is Texi from Texas. It means friendly. You're not going to find a friendlier gal than my sister. My wife's name's Beverly, which means a valley of the beaver, and uh, she's one of the hardest working persons I know of. I would encourage you to try to figure out what your name means, because who knows? It might have been providential and try to live up to the quality that that name represents. In antiquity, that was the same deal. Moses 
means drawn from water. David means beloved. You've got Solomon, which means peaceful. He led in peace. You got Jacob, whose name means uh, shyster or trickster, and then he met the Lord, and God changed his name to Israel, striven with God and won. You know, you've got some on the negative side. You've got a guy named Nabal, which, N-A-B-A-L, which means fool. I hope that was his nickname. hope he wasn't born with that name. He was definitely a fool. He stroked out when he got angry. On and on we could go. And the same thing is true of Jesus. Savior, a very appropriate name. Savior, he was born to die. He will save us from our sins, Matthew 1, 21. Jesus means Savior, the word we get our word salvation from. Jesus is his personal name, his human name, if you will. No more beautiful name on the face of the earth than the name of Jesus. It's a wonderful name and a beautiful name and a glorious name and a powerful name and a saving name. There is salvation in the name of Jesus and prayer power and forgiveness and healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus was a man or a person just like you and me, yet without sin. He felt physical pain and emotional hurt. He linked himself with us that he might become our Savior. The words to a song, Born to Die, communicate the hopeless angst of this generation without Jesus. It's sung by a group called Leftover Crack. Wouldn't you love to go to one of their concerts? But anyway, here's their song. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll read the lyrics. The moment we are born, we're dying, and it's such an ugly sight. We have no future, no reason why. We're born to die. Don't you know that dreams all die the day you're born? We have no gods. There's only ignorant bliss. No reason why. We're born to die. Sounds like a passage out of Ecclesiastes. Well, one thing is true about this song. We're all terminal. Yes, we're all terminal. And it just depends on which forwarding address, permanent forwarding address you're going to leave when you leave this planet, heaven or hell. And only Jesus can save you, not the Pope, not Joseph Smith, not baptism or church membership or your good works or this church or that church. There is no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. John the Baptist, pointing to Jesus, says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus means Savior. So saved is a good word. It's a great concept because it means we're attached to Jesus as Savior, who saves us from our sins. A man lay dying in the hospital. The chaplain, who was a Catholic priest, came by to offer forgiveness of his sins. The man who was dying said he would think about it. The priest left, and meanwhile a family member came by and shared Jesus with him. He received Jesus as Savior, and in so doing received his forgiveness of sins. Later the Catholic priest came by again, to see if the man was interested in receiving 
the forgiveness that the priest could offer. The new Christian asked to see the priest's hands. The priest reluctantly obliged. The man responding to the priest's invitation for the priest to forgive his sins said, No, thank you. Only the man with the scars in his hands can forgive me of my sins. And I trust that has been your experience with the name of Jesus. Bill and Gloria Gaither say it so well. Jesus, the mere mention of his name, can calm the storm, heal the broken, raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I've seen sin-hardened men melt, derelicts transformed, the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness turn to love and forgiveness. Arguments cease. I've heard a mother softly breathe his name at the bedside of a child delirious with fever. And I've watched that little body grow quiet and the fevered brow cool. I've been beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to whisper earth's sweetest name, Jesus. Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it. Yet it still stands. And there will be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race, shall raise in one great mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Ah, so you see, it was not mere chance that caused the angel one night long ago to say to a virgin maiden, His name shall be called Jesus Jesus, 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 you know, there is something about that name. Yes, indeed. What is Christmas about? What's in a name? The name of Jesus, born to die. The shadow of the cross was across the cradle as that baby grew up sinless, and only a sinless sacrifice will do as we celebrate the name of Jesus. My question to you, dear friend, obviously, do you know him? Paul said that he used to know Jesus after the flesh, but then he came to know him spiritually because he was born again. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Come to know him today as Savior and worship him who alone can save us from our sins, worthy to be worshipped 
because he is Jesus, born to die. What's in a name? A lot. Everything. Eternity. Salvation. Relationship. And we'll journey through Jesus' second name when we return. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back. We're on an exciting journey answering the question, what's in a name? Yes, that angel, the messenger of the Lord, knew exactly what he was saying to those shepherds in that shepherd's field. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. Christmas means that our Lord is worthy to be worshipped because He is Jesus, Savior born to die. is worthy to be worshipped because He is Christ born to deliver. Perhaps the least known and least appreciated of the three names of Jesus Christ the Lord is Christ because that name was very Jewish. When they heard of Christ's coming, they knew what that meant. Christ, Hebrew word, Mashiach, Messiah, the Greek word, Christos. So we have just transliterated that word from the Greek, and we call him Christ, the anointed one. The Greek word chrism, C-H-R-I-S-M, means consecrated oil. So Jesus was born to deliver the anointed one of God. Now, it doesn't make much sense to us because we have no view of an anticipated Messiah coming to us as the Old Testament people of God did. We've lost sight of that, which is understandable because the Messiah or Christ has come. But the significance of the name of Christ comes to us when we remember that the earlier followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. They were called disciples. But the one that stuck with them was the name Christian. And they were first called Christians in Antioch. And that's, they weren't called Jesusarians. They were called Christians. There was something about the followers of Jesus, followers of the way, disciples, that showed the world. In fact, this was a derisive name at first, out of derision. These people are anointed. They are different. They are Christ-like. They are Christ followers. Jesus, born to deliver the anointed one of God. In fact, Jesus, one of his first sermons, he got up in the synagogue and read from Isaiah, recorded for us in Luke four eighteen nineteen, 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus is anointed to preach the gospel to the the poor, and Christ, the Jews' Messiah, or anointed one, was the fulfillment of Scripture. That's why in Mark 14, the priest asked Jesus, are you the Christ or the anointed one, and when Jesus said, I am, they rejected him. They had a different view of the coming Messiah. He has come anointed 
to preach the gospel to the poor? Do you find yourself spiritually bankrupt today? Do you find yourself poor in need of the Lord Jesus Christ to anoint you, to deliver you? Jesus said, I've been anointed to deliver the poor. He has sent me to to proclaim release to the captives, Jesus said. Jesus is anointed to deliver the captive. He has come to set us free, to release us. Are you free in Jesus or are you in bondage? Christ has come to set you free, to deliver you, set free those who are downtrodden, giving sight to the blind, deliverance so people could see as God wanted them to see. Lord, open our eyes and set free those who are downtrodden. Perhaps you feel downtrodden emotionally. You feel like life has given you a bad deal or dealing you a bad hand. Jesus has been anointed to set you free, those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I tell you, this is the greatest time in the world to live. This is a good year in spite of all that's going on because the Lord wants to grant favor and smile upon you and make this a favorable year for you, just like it was in the time of Christ's coming in May the next year. Be that favorable year for you. Oh, I'm telling you, he's been anointed. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ, the Deliverer, born to deliver. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us, coming among us, delivering us from sin, from ourselves, and from Satan. You know, life can be the pits sometimes. In fact, all of us are like the person who fell into a pit, literally, and couldn't get out. To make things worse, there is a a deadly snake in the pit with, let's say, you are the one in the pit. A Jew comes by and says, you better hurry up and keep the law before the snake bites you. A Hindu comes by and says, your only hope is to be reincarnated into a bird and fly out of here. A Christian scientist comes by and says, oh, the pit and the snake aren't real. They're just elusive products of a fictitious material existence. Buddha comes by and says, to desire more is sin, but if you find the eightfold noble path to nirvana, it will lead you out of the pit. Muhammad comes by and says, Your being in the pit is the will of Allah. Submit, fear him. Confucius comes by and says, A wise man would have never fallen in the pit. Your friends come by. They can't help, but they say, I feel for you, man. A moralist comes by and says, Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Jesus comes by. He gets down in the pit with you. He stomps on the snake and kills it. But in the meantime, the snake bites him and he dies. However, he overcomes death by living again, being resurrected, and delivers you out of the pit if you will put your trust in him. As I said, my name is Robert And that means winner of all, and one of my life verses is in Romans, the 8th chapter, where Paul says, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, more than conquerors. In fact, that word in the Greek Bible is one word, and that word is hypernikamen, hypernikamen, more than conquerors. 
Does that word ring a bell? Well, that's because Nike, the sports brand, got their word from this Greek word, Nike. So we are more than conquerors. How do we become more than conquerors? Well, somebody has conquered already for us, and we just enjoy the fruits of his labor. We're more than conquerors. Jesus conquered, and we are just on his back, as it were, conquering through him. And so Christ is to be worshipped because he is the one who has come, born to deliver. David reflects on how God had delivered him from the lion and the bear when he faced Goliath, and that was enough to give him the confidence that God would deliver him from Goliath as well. You see, our past experiences of Christ delivering us should encourage us in the present and the future. The way we get on, the way we get in, is the way we go on. We go on in the same way we get in, not to to different levels or rules or ways. We got in by trusting Christ. We go on by trusting Christ. And so as Christ followers, we continue to fall into the pits now and then, but he will deliver us, and he instructs us on how to avoid the pits moving forward. So spiritual bondage is a result of an unwillingness to apply what God has done in Christ. Spiritual freedom, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he always causes us to triumph in Christ. He had it right again. We triumph in Christ, worthy to be worshipped, because he's Messiah, our deliverer, our anointed one. Stay with me. We'll talk about the third one. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Thank you, Chuck. You're exactly right. Here at 100.7, you're going to get the word, and you're going to hear about Jesus. And that's exactly what we are doing. What's in a name? Everything. Everything. And so the angel that night knew exactly what he was saying. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior, meaning Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. He is worthy to be worshipped because he is Jesus, born to die. Christ, born to deliver the anointed one. We are Christians following in his victory. He is worthy to be worshipped because he is Lord, born divine with divine authority. That's his title, Jesus, first name, Christ, last name, if you will, the Lord, or the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus was born older than his mother in the same age as his father, because his father was the Lord God Almighty. Jesus is not divine because of the virgin birth. Listen, he was born of a virgin because he was divine. He was born into this world as Lord, as those gather around and kneel, bend the knee to him that night when he was born and later in the house with the wise men. He is Lord. He was born of God. He was the firstborn with preeminence is what that verse means. He is born with the very nature of God. He is Lord. Greek for the Hebrew, Jehovah. 
The Greek word is kurios, meaning Lord. Anytime you see Lord, L-O-R-D in caps in the Old Testament, it means Jehovah. And Lord in the New Testament means Jesus was born of God. He is absolutely divine. He comes from God's lineage, has God's nature, and his position of authority as Lord over all. We do not vary one iota concerning the nature of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who he possesses that very nature. In fact, his name, Lord, was the favorite name the Apostle Paul used when referring to Jesus. For Paul, Jesus was the Savior, he was the Christ, but first and foremost, he was Lord. And guess what? Paul was bond slave, and so should we be. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is more than a good teacher or a great man. He's Lord. He's God. William Barclay writes, Of all the titles for Jesus, the title Lord became by far the most commonly used, widespread, and theologically important. It would not be going too far to say that the word Lord became a synonym for the name Jesus. Technically, it means boss. So when you think of the term Lord, you think of boss. The great I am of the Old Testament is Lord, boss of the New Testament. Because of this basic, essential nature of divinity, he takes a position of authority as boss, as master and ruler, Lord of all. And what right does Jesus have to be Lord of all? Philippians, the second chapter, Paul writes that Jesus came became a man, died a death, death on the cross, whereby then God highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you get it there? In Philippians 2, 11, one of those 12 verses in the New Testament where Jesus' full name is mentioned. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of us will do so willingly and gladly. Others will be forced to, because Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what right does Jesus have to claim lordship over your life? He emptied himself, became a man, humbled himself, died the most despicable kind of death, and desires to rule over you, and he's a benevolent dictator. When he is Lord, that's when you are at your best. He paid the price. He's worthy to be worshipped, Jesus Christ the Lord. Elizabeth refers to him in Luke one forty three. as Mary comes to visit her. She says, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? Jesus is Lord even in his early life. As a 12-year-old, when the, the priests and the scribes come, he confounds them. What a life. What a Lord. And then there's Thomas at the end of Jesus' life who knelt before him and exclaimed when invited by Jesus to place his hand into his side, fell at his feet and said, My Lord and my God. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you knelt at his feet, confessing him as your Lord, and your God, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do not do what I tell you. And Jesus will say, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I'll say to them, I never knew you. Make Jesus your Lord. Will you make him your boss? Make him 
your Lord and you'll never regret it. So is he Lord of your moral life, your financial life? We had a great time yesterday talking about a new perspective on possessions. And all of our shows are on our website. And you can go to the word fm1007.com, click on listen, click on crosswalk, and yesterday's will be uploaded tomorrow as I interviewed my boss, Tim Newell, a new perspective on possessions. It's a perfect Christmas message. The Lord of your financial life, your marriage, what would your spouse say? Your life as a parent or a child or sibling, Lord of your vocation, what would your work working associates say? the Lord of your life at church in your neighborhood. Let him be Lord of your thoughts and your emotions and your attitudes and your words, your actions and reactions. You'll be so glad. We are our best. When Jesus is Lord, life is filled with relationships and possessions. Jesus wants to be Lord of all of them. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, worthy to be worshiped is our Lord. So would you allow the babe of Bethlehem, who became the Christ of Calvary, to become the Lord of your life, as history is his story, he's the Lord of history. Someone anonymously wrote, Jesus, what have you done to us? We wanted a pet kitten, and you turned out to be a tiger. We liked the way you were. Why couldn't you leave us alone? We wanted you to show up when we wanted you to make us feel good. We wanted a pretty church for weddings and baptisms and funerals. We wanted a cute Easter bunny hopping across the lawn. We thought religion is good for the kiddos. Now all of a sudden you've turned against us. We wanted peace, and you brought us a sword. Things were going all right. Then you got interested in poor people. And now they're strutting around like they're going to inherit the earth. Now all of a sudden you tell us to love our enemies as well. Do you know what will happen if we do? They'll nail our hide to the wall. And what will we do then? Keep praying for them? We liked you when you were a little baby. Gentle and meek and mild and cooing in your cradle. All those nice shepherds and angels. We just felt awful about King Herod, but look at all we did for you. We made a big national holiday in your honor. We built big industries around it, Christmas cards and toy machine guns for the kiddos and those fancy gift-wrapped whiskey bottles. We built pretty churches in your honor, stained glass and organs and all the works. And look what you've done, Jesus. Why can't you leave us alone? We've got enough trouble now. Why don't you keep poke, why do you keep poking us in the conscience? What do you want? Our hearts? Yes, that would be right. Our hearts. What's in a name? Jesus is worthy to be worshiped because he's Jesus born to die, Christ born to deliver, Lord born divine with authority over your life. Give him your heart. And you'll be so glad you did. It's the greatest gift you could give Jesus. God bless you. Have a great Christmas. I'll see you next week. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. 100.7. The Word. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.